So this evening I'd like to share some reflections on the uh, teaching of the five topics or themes for frequent recollection. Some of you may know these well. Um, I'll go into a little bit about that. Um, These uh, recollections that are a teaching, as all the Buddha's teachings are, a compassionate offering to us to help us with dukkha. Um, so I think that's worth bearing in mind because I, and I've taught as I've gradually taught more on this, I feel a bit less tentative and, uh, but always a little tentative at talking about aging, sickness, death, and loss. You know, maybe not quite common in um, you know polite conversation. You don't, you know, that sense of also that it is. It's a yeah. So with that in mind, our sensitivities and hopefully um, my, my hope is or my, my, uh, yeah, my wish is for us that this be a helpful time together just to bring these reflections to mind and heart in a way that is actually helpful and supportive of our practice, of our, the growth of, our, of, of wisdom and compassion and also calm. So interesting, I was, you know, remembering many years ago listening to a talk at Gaia House by Catherine McGee about death. And, and um, I, uh, somehow the effect of it was, was not possibly what she intended because I spent the whole rest of the evening and half the night, you know, wailing and weeping and kind of being very, very like that, you know, and, um, but, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, I, obviously some of that is, is part of life and part of dealing with loss and grief, and, but I, I, I think I slightly got the wrong end of the stick there, um, <laughs> so I'm hoping maybe we can grope towards the right end of the stick, you know, if there is, anyway, let's not pursue that uh, simile too far. Um, And I remember the first time I met these teachings, actually, was here at the Forest Refuge, back when I was on work retreat in uh, 2005. And at that time, these were on the notice board. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, welcome, you're going to die. Thank you. (laughs) Right. And, uh, yeah, they're not there anymore, if you noticed. <laughs> Perhaps you should put them back. Um, you know, and I remember my reaction because I kind of looked at it, read them, and then sort of then carried on, you know. It's like I, I'm pretty sure I didn't give it a second thought, really. I just thought, oh, that's a bit odd. Uh, what am I supposed to do with that, you know? And um, so you may have had your own, maybe meetings with this teachings, this practice, or maybe not, you know, and the different uh, reactions to that. Um, But I've grown to really, really value it as a way of, yeah, a very very powerful recollection and and a practice that perhaps has some, can offer us some help with, um, you know, our um, coming to terms with, you know, or our, 
are actually allowing these facts of life, we could say, you know, um, to be um, something that wakes us up, something that actually, you know, wakes us up. You know, and you, you probably all know well the story of the Buddha and the four heavenly messengers who appear to set him on uh, his path to enlightenment. You know, the sight of a, a sick person, an old person, uh, a dead body, and then a samana, uh, uh, an alms mendicant. Then how, how shaken, you know, the sense from the story I get is just like, you know, probably you have experienced, I'm sure all of us have, you know, maybe very recently, maybe longer ago, you know, just this sense of being woken up by, you know, when somebody dies or gets sick or, you know, it's, it's just so amazing, isn't it? That how there must be something I suspect, not that I'm any neuroscientifically expert or anything like that, but we must be somewhat hardwired to be deluded about this. Or, you know, there's such a strong thing of, or is it part of the basic delusion of self and the sense of being an I who has lived and kind of goes on through time, you know, sort of forever, which I, th- I feel like sometimes it's that, that time sense that's bound up with a sense of self. Maybe, maybe that's where the, the sort of delus- de- delusion of it is, or one, one way we, we could look at that. And how, you know, you get those, you know, shock moments, don't you? And you're like, oh. And I've really noticed how, um, you know, maybe by practicing with, the, with this, these recollections, like I've noticed this week, as I often always get this sort of, you know, a week's immersion or contact with a particular teaching when I'm preparing for a talk. And just how you start seeing it everywhere. You start seeing the truth of change, of decay, of you know, the cycles of life and, you know, it feels like, yeah, the spring and then I was looking at the leaves and thinking the new little baby leaves and, the, you know, they're different leaves. The, one from, the ones from last year fell off, you know, and are, are decaying in the ground. And, you know, it's a very simple thing, but I have the sense that, that these, these reflections then can help us maybe when, um, you know, we receive the more difficult news, perhaps, about loved ones. I mean, I, I won't go into detail, but, I mean, I, I got a phone call just about an hour ago about somebody I'm quite close to who is turning out to have a, a degenerative disease. And I was, you know, I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, just sort of receiving that news and, and the... You know, literally in, in the last sort of phase of getting ready to, to give the talk, and I, I could really, you know, I just sort of could really feel actually, well, having practiced a bit with this since, since you know, for a few years, and just this week, I thought, wow, I could, I think that I received the news more, do you know what I mean? Like I felt like resourced for it. In a, in a way, I think was partly, you know, who knows, different conditions, but was as a result of, of, of uh, reflecting on these, these themes. And, you know, it's just that truism, isn't it, that we really never know, but we live as if we do. It's just, it's just amazing. 
It's amazing. It just amazes me again and again. Now, why should we assume that we're going to live another minute? You know, we don't know. We don't know. We really don't know. And I think sometimes I feel like there's, you know, the sense of the immediacy, that sense of, you know, and you probably know, um, be one of the Buddha's teachings um, where he's talking to some monks and he's sort of saying, okay, monks, you know, what's the right way to practice the recollection of death? You know, it's like, right, okay, test, you know, exam time, whatever you know. So one says, well, I, I consider it every day, you know, in the evening before I go to bed and I think of my life as just being one day. Buddha goes, so the, the monk is like, you know, go and study a bit more. So the second one goes, well, yeah, I, 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 I recollect it every time when there's the meal, and I think of my life just being the length of 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 the time it takes to eat a meal, and the Buddha goes, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's okay. You know. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> elaborating a little bit here. Um, so then, I think it's the third monk says, uh, "Well, I, I reflect on it um, as being like I'm alive as long as it takes to take an in breath and an out breath." And the Buddha goes, yes, yes, that's, that's it, that's, that's the way to practice. So there's something, maybe you know, we can go into these themes and there's a real benefit from reflecting and there's things to ponder and think about, but it's just, you get that, that's what that's pointing to, it's like that sense of of helping us, supporting us into the immediacy, into the, you know, come, come, come closer to where you really, where you are, where here, now, yeah, that's, in breath, out breath, yeah, it's like, what, what that, you know, our life here, and also wisdom, release, here, right? So, um, very uh, fortuitously, I received a gift very recently of this book, which I won't, I'll, I'll leave it in the library for anybody who wants, who wants to look. It's called Older and Wiser, um, Classical Buddhist Teachings on Aging, Sickness and Death, and it's published by Barry Center for Buddhist Studies, and it's by Musong, Andrew Alensky, and our very own <laughs> Gloria Taranira Ambrosia. <laughs> and um, I will probably read a bit of it at the end, but actually I had this great little revelation, you know, minor insight probably, but I thought it was really, I don't, I don't know, anyway, I'm looking at it, I realize probably sometimes insights come because you can't see. <laughs> So I look, it's interesting, I've got my glasses on. and Okay, so on the front of this book, and you'll be able to see in the library if you want to look, there's this wonderful photograph by a, a dear uh, IMS friend. And 
So what I can see now that I may have misseen anyway, it still feels like a teaching where it was in the moment I misperceived it. <laughs> anyway, there is in this picture a figure walking. And when I was looking at, looking at it earlier, and who knows, you know, maybe it was the way the light was falling because it looks different now. And I think that's like with the aging, aging, there's a theme, aging, eyesight, eyesight, can't see properly. Um, or the way the light fell on it, it looked to me like it was just a pair of legs and then the top part of the body was just not there. It was just like you could see through it to the trees and the road. And I was like, wow, did they do that on purpose? <laughs> what a teaching, like hidden in the photograph, you know. And now I'm looking at it now and it just looks like, no, I, what on earth did I see? It's just a, it's just a person walking along the road. <laughs> so there you go. What's that? You know, the, uh, the uh, yeah, what happens living with perception? <laughs> they tend to be inaccurate and shift around, but perhaps sometimes they offer some insight and some teaching. Because for me, and I uh, really something struck me, and I thought, yeah, it's like... It's like we walk around thinking of ourselves and others as solid, and actually we're so, we're sort of see-through. You know, we're, we're so much, so light, isn't there a song I said, we are so lightly here. We are so lightly here. And, you know, the, the truth of that, and how when we look at other people, and they seem so solid, like you look like you're really, really there. It's like it's not that you're not there, but you're not there in the way that I, we might, I might think you're there. Do you see what I mean? It's like I, I felt this very, very strongly when the when my mum died, and I was there in her flat, and and you know, kind of having to take care of all the practicalities. And I had this overall just, you know, you, you it's these moments, isn't it, when you learn something you cannot learn from a book. You probably can't even really learn it on the cushion, maybe. But this this absolutely sort of resounding absence. Do you know the kind of absence where it's just pulsating? It's like a just a kind of like it's so the absence is so like it's it's not nothing. It's like her the absence of her was just like this absolutely powerful, powerful sort of mm, something, teaching, truth, something like that. And what I realized of lots of things, obviously, you know, was that I had thought she was really there in a way that she wasn't. And I know it's like totally obvious, isn't it, when you say that, that somebody is, all of us are, you know, basically decaying or, you know, on the way out, you could say, on a physical level. Um, and, and I, you know, one level I say, well, I knew that about her. She was old and I knew she was getting weaker and weaker. And, but like that sort of very, what is that? Some very core sense that I believed, like that view, it's wrong view, isn't it, really? That, that she was sort of there in some absolute or abiding, you know, kind of solid way. And then the, the shock of that view being exposed as a falsehood. I think that's what was so shocking at one level, was how it just, wow, you know, kind of, 
bang, that delusion was just so exposed. I hope that makes some sense to you. It's just really, I think I'm still kind of, yeah, taking that in or absorbing that or, you know, I reflect on it. And I think, how do we, you know, how do we learn to live with, uh, maybe it's like form and emptiness, emptiness and form. It's like the form is there and also not there in the right light. Um, We are both present and mm, not so solid, not so, yeah. So um, I want to read you, I want to, as we go through the talk, I want to share probably three, I won't load you up with too many because there's lots, there's a couple of different versions. And um, so, let's see, how should I do this? Well, first of all, another, in terms of how do we, like if we want to pick this up as a practice, as a teaching, as a practice to help us, you know, in our, through our life to, 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 to let the, let the wisdom, let the, let this uh, truth kind of take root in us, you know, in our minds, in a way which is actually helpful, supportive, you know, not only for ourselves but for others, isn't it? And again, how we, how we meet, how we meet uh, other others, and and you know, with their loss and um, and illness and uh, all of that. Um, so when I, again, I had a, another bereavement, um, actually a year after I was first here in 2006 when my foster mum died. And it was, it was really, really hard. I, I was, again, I was shocked at how difficult it was and it actually was part of what propelled me towards looking for a practice to sort of, now I've got some more bereavements ahead of me. I think I need a bit of help. I need some, you know, I need some help. I don't want to go through that again. Um, so I, at some point, I can't remember, I started to, um, practice with these phrases and I'll, I'll share these with you and then I came up with my own and I will put them on the board. So these are the, the, I think this is one form of the traditional ones. I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. So just noticing how that lands, just noticing, I think that's so helpful, just noticing what the the reaction is, maybe different thoughts, feelings, emotions, or maybe nothing, maybe just blank, I don't know, just helpful to notice. I know for me, when I started to, uh, I started to practice with these, you know, sort of in the way of repeating the phrases, and and I got this image, which I, I've shared before, so forgive me if you've heard this before, but lots of our very esteemed teachers repeat stories, so perhaps it's okay feels like a good story. Anyway, I had this, I felt like I was, there's a 
scene in a Monty Python film which felt very, very apt. And it's a scene where there's a, 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 a circle of monks yeah, walking around, like medieval monks in a medieval monastery somewhere, walking around in a circle and they have this uh, rectangular board and as they walk, and they're kind of going, mm, sorry, and I'm chanting something, and then they go thud. And they're hitting their head, forehead with this thing, you know, thud, thud, thud. And so you can see, I felt like each phrase was just like trying to hit myself on the head. You know how he's like words, kind of, come on, come on. And it didn't feel like it was very effective. <laughs> So, so I got interested and I, 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 I did, I spent, it was when I had the luxury to do this, so I spent about three months with this as my main practice of exploring and reading and thinking and, you know, trying different practices and reflections and things. And I, 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 I gradually realized that I needed to kind of find a way in or a way of phrasing them or somehow that felt more accessible to me, that somehow engaged the heart that somehow helped me to yeah to feel for the heart to feel more receptive rather than trying to like banging away on the old head um so as i like to say i was in the bath which i find a very inspiring place to be actually i don't know it's whatever works right um, so I'm going to share these with you and again they, they will be on the board and I think part of why I, lo I like to share these is that it's it's a, a, um, a concept I came across in the teachings of Stephen Batchelor what, what he described of the need in a lot of our practice actually to translate thought into the language of feeling Right. So that, you know, and I think the creative process of finding somehow, you know, what can speak to our, our heart, you know, it's like the, somehow for me that's a more holistic sense. So maybe words can do it, but maybe not, this is not the same for everybody. Or if you do stay with the traditional phrases, it's like it takes a while, you know, you have to kind of somehow make a relationship with them. That might be another way of the translating of the thoughts into the language of the heart or the language of feeling through the recollection and the frequent reflection which then somehow um, it starts to absorb into our, into our heart. So um, maybe different words, images, but maybe the same words but kind of taken in that way as, a, as something we... Um, sort of begin to absorb, you know, kind of take in into our being. Um, so, I'll just sh I'll share these with you. This is, this is what I came to. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, 
I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So for me, part part of why I think that felt more somehow mm, like I could some sort of more receive is the not using the word I am or the words I am because I don't know where, I don't know about the I am. I mean, I don't know what that is really. You know what I mean? It's like, where is that? Yeah, I don't. Um, so for me, saying this body is aging, it's like still, you know, but it's also then also this body, this body, no, this body, this the body of my friend, it's the body, your body, this, do you see, it's like for me that somehow I think help, help to bring that sense of it being a communal, a shared, a universal, a you know, as the I am, boy, for me, that can feel very cut off and like, you know, it's like, it's me, not everyone else, you know. Or anyway, for me, that, that's, that's there. So, again, whatever works. And I actually, interestingly, um, have come around a little more to um, appreciating the I am um, version of this and I've, I think I'm understanding that it's a really, like, one way I've heard it described is it's like it's a bit, it's a good sort of, like, shock to the I am, you know, who thinks that they're going to live forever and and are kind of in charge of things. (laughs) So the I am, the I am is the I am. Oh, my so something I don't, I can't quite articulate that, but like I can see maybe there's some value in using those words because it's it's maybe mm, exposing some of that more unconscious because we would never walk around saying oh, I'm going to live forever, <coughs> probably, um, but we might it's sort of feel believe like it, you know I I feel like this has got a lot less convincing since menopause I don't know what it's like for other people but maybe you, you know we all go through these times in our life when it's like it gets a lot less convincing because of what happens in our you know our own bodies or around us and I can really remember not that as a younger person this this you know feeling of of, of life was going to just go on endlessly and actually for me that didn't feel that great but anyway that it was just this sort of endless sort of thing. And, and I don't feel like that now. <laughs> it's like, you know, it feels a lot more like, wow, this is a finite kind of situation here. Okay. You know, like, uh-huh, I'm beginning to get the message. 
you know, people keep dying. You know, I cross them out in my address book. I still have a paper address book, and I put on above it, died. <laughs> you know, I was like, whatever, whatever works. So it's just, yeah, there's so many, so many, anyway, let's see, so many parts of this. Um, yeah, weaving wisdom into the fabric of our mind and our life. I like thinking of it like that. Weaving wisdom into the fabric of our being, our mind. And I think artists do this very well. And I know there was a period of time when I was writing a lot of poetry. And for me, I think it really was, that's part of what it was, was uh, this sort of, I wouldn't have called it that then, but it was like a, it was, it was trying to do that, I think. Find wisdom and weave it into my life, into my being. And I'd like to share a poem by Denise Levitov, um, which I think is a really beautiful example of at least what I would see as, as, as this power of creativity to, um, to do this, to help us with this great work of waking up. It's called Living. The fire in leaf and grass, so green it seems each summer, the last summer. The wind blowing, the leaves shivering in the sun, each day, the last day. A red salamander, so cold and so easy to catch, dreamily moves his delicate feet and long tail. I hold my hand open for him to go. Each minute, the last minute. So, can you stand a little more? <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to... Um, uh, how, how these teachings can become treasures and gifts in our life. Yeah, for our own benefit, for the benefit of others. Ajahn Lee said, Aging, illness and death are treasures for those who understand them. They're noble truths, noble treasures. If they were people, I'd bow down to their feet every day. Isn't that great? Beautiful. So, you know, it's like there's this great potential here, not to, you know, just some way of helping us to be a little less miserable with the, the reality of life and death, but something something beautiful, something awakening, and yeah, treasures. So um, I was thinking, um, you know, the like softly, softly thing that often sort of works, you know, I often go to the sort of breathing gently and kindly and then, you know, but I'm getting a little bit more the sense that sometimes being hit on the head with the, with the wooden thing can be quite helpful, um, so long as this doesn't hurt too much, or even if it does. But um, 
a sense of being challenged, like the you know the Buddha. Sorry, I've got to find this one. <laughs> Buddha. Okay, this okay. It's a little like uh, two-line thing. So Mara speaking. Mara says, "Life is long. Live life like a milk-sucking babe." And the Buddha. Life is short. You should live as if your head was on fire. Yeah, it's like he could be so, it's like he's quite dramatic kind of, you know, challenges, you know, wake up. Consider the dangers of intoxication with youth, health, life, the liked, and ignoring the consequences of unskillful behavior. That's right, you know, yeah. So, so that's a practice. I can give you the sutta reference if you want it. But this is, you know, again, that's like, consider the dangers of intoxication with youth. You can hear how it's the inverse of the reflections, the recollections. Youth, health, you know, it's, yeah. So, so another really helpful way, perhaps, of, of approaching, sort of helping ourselves to... to challenge some of these very very ingrained or unconscious assumptions um, um, I want to share with you just one other I won't do all th- all five of them I'll share maybe three of them from a great teacher Ayakima I don't know yeah I never met her but um, I love her voice partly because I think she's quite blunt. And you know, again, it's sometimes like, ah, that's really helpful. So I just, this is from a teaching, from a talk I listened to by her. And I just, again, in terms of, I don't know, hearing, receiving these different voices. um, Maybe we get different kinds of help or illumination from different voices. She says, I am of the nature to decay. I have not got beyond decay. Look at that and see whether it's a true statement. If you think it's a true statement, have you actually noticed it in yourself? (laughs) And if you have noticed, what kind of reactions have you had? One of dislike, rejection, trying to forget it, trying to counteract it, thinking it is something that is unpleasant, or have you seen it as the underlying truth of everything that has life? Yes, Honourable Aya. You know, like, you know what they say to the Buddha, it's like, I feel like the same thing, it's like, it's venerable, venerable teacher, it's like... Interesting, that power of the yes-no. Do you hear those sort of more yes-no questions, which are like, kind of feel like they can sort of pin you to your seat or something. A bit different from the open questions. So she goes on, the second one. I am of the nature to be diseased. I have not got beyond disease. I mean, isn't this, I'm going to pause slightly and interject my own thing. I got a bite, you know, and 
thought it might be Lyme, as you know, and actually got it checked out, and the doctor agreed. So I've taken these heavy-duty antibiotics, and it might not be, but anyway, and just that feeling of like, this shouldn't be happening. Why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? Interesting, and not that I shouldn't. We shouldn't go and get medicine, but ah, I have not got beyond disease. Again, it is necessary to inquire if this is a true statement. Have we had disease or unpleasantness in the body, major or minor? Is it with us now? Can we expect it again? And if so, what does that tell us about our presumed ownership of this body? You know, I mean, it's like, in a way, it's like we know this, don't we? But we don't, we also really don't know it. And so, as she says, another approach to this is to inquire, you know, like she's saying, use questions like that, you know, is it mine? So the last one, and then I'll stop. Um, I am of the nature to die. I have not got beyond death. Here, we don't have to inquire if this is true. <laughs> I don't know why I find this amusing. It's ridiculous. But, I just, um, but we do need to inquire whether we take it into consideration in daily living and whether we are ready for it. And if not, why not? Yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you, Aya. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm wondering. I have quite a lot more, but um, hmm, I think I feel my senses from practice and probably you know this from your own experience that those of you who you know work in hospice or hospitals or in different ways with others or in your own experience in life you can see how when we you know when there's this um possibility of of opening to these truths and um that there's such a lot of gifts that come from that. We've really been touching a bit on some of them this evening, haven't we? The gifts of immediacy, of, of appreciation, of gratitude, of the sort of, like, the, the way that sense of awe and wonder, being alive at all, can, can strike us. And a sense of wanting to enjoy or wanting to be of, of use. Yeah. Just different different gifts, the way ways that these teachings can become treasures when we again engage with them, reflect on them, take them to heart. And I feel like another really important part of it, I feel as every time I talk about it, is how much of a, a sense of connection can come with that, a sense of together, belonging belonging to the human race or belonging to sentient life you know that that it's like all of us every single one of us in this room and everybody and all the beings all the animals and insects and birds and you know it's like ah 
Yeah, there's something, and I feel into that, there's something very beautiful, something about belonging, being part of nature. Again, the, the nature aspect of those traditional phrases, I think I'm tuning into more of the, the nature, being part of nature, and how, yeah, how beautiful that is. And perhaps the last thing is to say how, yeah, again, when these truths or, you know, like the Buddha with the four heavenly messengers or, you know, with my phone call and all the different moments that you've experienced of sort of like waking up our sense of priorities or like what really, really matters, what, what is of real value. And, and um, wonderful question I got again from Stephen Batchelor is, since death is certain and the time of death uncertain, what shall I do? So again, it's just potential as a little practice we could pick up, but just, yeah, feeling a sense of um, how it can bring us more and more deeply into here and now and to to letting go so yeah much more but i would like to maybe close these reflections by sharing a uh, a piece from this book which is actually um from the parinibbana sutta in the diginikaya the the long sayings um, and again, I'll leave that in there if you want to look at it. So I'll let this, um, this is uh, from very near the end of the Buddha's life. And uh, hopefully an, an inspiration to all of us in our life, in our practice. So during the rains, the Buddha was attacked by severe sickness with sharp pains as if he were about to die. But he endured all this mindfully, clearly aware and without complaining. Then the Buddha, having recovered from his sickness, as soon as he felt better, went outside and sat on a prepared seat in front of his dwelling. Then the venerable Ananda came to him, saluted him, sat down to one side and said, Lord, I have seen the Buddha in comfort and I have seen the Lord's patient enduring and sir, my body was like a drunkard's. I lost my bearings and things were unclear to me because of the Buddha's sickness. And the Buddha replied, Ananda, I am now old, worn out, Venerable one who has traversed life's path. I have reached the term of life, which is 80. Just as an old cart is made to go by being held together with straps, so the Tathagata's body is kept going by being strapped up. It is only when the Tathagata withdraws his attention from outward signs and by the cessation of certain feelings, enters into the signless concentration of mind that his body knows comfort. 
Therefore, Ananda, you should live as islands unto yourselves, being your own refuge, with no one else as your refuge, with the Dhamma as an island, with the Dhamma as your refuge, with no other refuge. And how does one do this? Here, Ananda, a person abides contemplating the body as body, feeling as feeling, mind as mind, mind objects as mind objects, earnestly, clearly aware, mindful, having put away all hankering and fretting for the world. Thank you for your attention. May these reflections be a benefit. So we'll close our evening together by chanting the... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.